0: Hello lovelies and welcome back to Listen Closely. My name is Bobby and with us this week is my husband John.
1: Hey guys.
0: And he is actually gracing us with his presence because one he got a break and two I yeah. could not do this one without him.
1: Absolutely. This one's super important to me. I'm excited.
0: I mean, you can just basically take it over. You, you know want- more about this one. So it's the way yeah. the music died. I mean, the Day, I, that's, the, day of the Music Yeah, The Day died. the Music yeah. Died. I posted that on Facebook as like a little hint of what we're talking about. And like if you've ever heard of American Pie, you know, he sings The Day the Music Died. Yeah, yeah
1: Don McLean himself.
0: So what is The Day the Music Died? Was it because of John Lennon?
1: No, it was not.
0: Did it have anything to do with the Beatles? It did not. So let us know.
1: Okay, so The Day the Music Died is a line in a song by, like she said, Don McLean which is off the song American Pie. And if you've never heard that song, go look it up. It's a great song. It talks all about music history. You just got to catch the references. But the day the music died happens to be February of 1959, the day that three main people in a...
0: Three musicians.
1: Three musicians in a plane, those musicians being Buddy Holly, Richie Valens, and J.P. Richardson, also known as the Big Bopper.
0: And for those that are like, okay, we've heard of Fuddy Holly, obviously, and there's some movies on right. him, and there's some the La Bamba, right? For, for Richie, yeah. And you're like, okay, what does this have to do with this area?
1: So, Mr. JP Richardson, aka the Big Bopper, which I will now call call him from for the rest of the show, the Big Bopper was actually born in Sabine Pass, right there, and he's he's actually interred in Forest Lawn Memorial Cemetery in Beaumont, right next to his wife. So. This was a big day. We lost a lot of great musicians all at once. You've got Richie Valens. uh, La Bamba was one of his. And we still sing these songs today. Uh, The Big Bopper was Chantilly Lace.
0: Before we get into anything, let's backtrack because we don't want to get into the specifics of that just yet. Right. I know you're excited and you want to get into this, but we need to do a little bit of history. Okay. Because Mr. Big Bopper... Did a lot in this area. Yes. So, a lot of people don't realize this because, yes, he was born in Sabine Pass. Right. His family moved to Beaumont, Texas, where he graduated Beaumont High School in 1947 and played on the Royal Purple American Football Team as a defensive lineman wearing number 85. Yeah. So, he was like a jack-of-all-trades. Yeah. He could do it all. He later became a radio disc jockey while at Lamar College, where he studied... Pre law and was a member of the band and choir. So again, right. jack of all trades, he did it all. He worked for that radio station at the time, KTRM, which is yeah. now KZZB. That's right. We we've heard of that. Exactly. Uh, he was hired by the station full time in 1949, and then just quit college because he kind of kind of started to like it. You could tell from early on that music was a big part of his life. He then later married Adrian Joy Rio. Yeah. On April 18th, 1952. And their daughter, Deborah Joy, was born in December 1953. So a year later, roughly. Right. Uh, Soon after, he was promoted to supervisor of announcers at KTRM. And in 1955, he was drafted into the United States Army. So then he later returned to the radio station uh, following his discharge in 1957, where he held down the dishwasher serenade shift which if you don't know what that is I, you're smiling at me a little bit basically means the late night shift yeah. from 11 a.m to 12 30 p.m
1: i like that you use that term that's that's a term that i i grew up hearing the dishwasher serenade shift and the reason that they say that is because that's when all the people that have to clean places yeah, like, like go in at night and yeah. that's how they get serenaded by listening to the radio right. back then of course
0: he had seen some students doing a dance called the bop mm-hmm. and that's how he decided to call himself the big bopper so if you ever wondered where that origin came from he just happened to see some kids dancing and he was always like what was that yeah and they're doing the bop yeah so that's how he got his new his newfound name i um, so obviously he had his own time slot uh during this time slot he actually in 1957 in may and I don't know if you even know this. He broke the record for continuous on-air broadcasting by 8 minutes.
1: He was a funny guy. I don't know if you ever, you know anything about his like other part of the music, but he his is jockey. He, Yeah, he was hilarious. Right. Everybody thought he was funny.
0: He performed during that time for a total of 5 days, 2 hours and 8 minutes from a remote setup in the lobby of the Jefferson Theater in Beaumont, Texas.
1: Wow. And you know, that's weird because, you know, me and you have both been there mm-hmm. and we've walked those halls. And just to know that when the big bopper who is now dead and gone and gave us so much great music and so many funny times stood in that very lobby and
0: played 1821 like, songs yeah. to break that record by yeah. eight minutes.
1: That's that's crazy.
0: And I also don't know if you know this, but Richardson is also credited for creating the first music video in 1958.
1: I actually did not know that.
0: Yep, and recorded an early example of himself, basically. Do we know what song it was that he... I'm not too sure which one that it was specifically. I'm going to look it up and let you know. You look it up while I keep going on with this history, because he did a lot. So, Richardson, we knew, played in band... And was in choir in college, he played the guitar, began his musical career as a songwriter. Some of you may know that George Jones later recorded one of his songs, which is the one that I believe is the most famous, which is white lightning, uh which became jones first number one country hit in nineteen fifty nine and we will see if I can play just a little clip of it,
1: oh, okay, so just so you know real quick while you're doing that. The first music video it was actually of Chantilly Lace.
0: Oh, there you go. So, I mean, everybody's heard this song, I believe. Even I knew this song and I don't know country very often. But uh yeah, it was not George Jones song. Uh, it was in fact the Big Boppers. Correct.
1: Absolutely. And he wrote A lot of different songs. Uh, Oh,
0: yeah. He wrote uh, Running Bear for Johnny Preston, his friend from Port Arthur, Texas.
1: Yeah. Red Riding Hood Mm -hmm. was another one of his songs. And these are all songs that you've heard. You might not know it was the Big Bopper, but it was him.
0: And then he also had the Big Bopper's wedding. So in Chantilly Lace, he's kind of flirting around with the girlfriend on the phone. I'm sure everybody's heard the very first line, if you want to say it.
1: Hello, baby. Which I always thought was very Jerry Lee lewis <laughs> like.
0: Yeah, like I've heard that. F- yeah. And I feel like I've heard people repeat that. Right. But I never actually knew that it came from the Big yeah. Popper.
1: Like he I've was, heard it.
0: I want to say I've even heard it in movies.
1: Yeah, he he was one of those guys. He was a trendsetter, man. People loved to just like uh, copy him in mm-hmm. a lot of different ways.
0: Right. But, so, disc jockey. Mm -hmm. starting to write music, he actually wanted to start his own radio station in Beaumont. Really? He didn't. Hmm. Unfortunately, he never got to. Uh, He decided to go on tour with a couple of cats, as we mentioned earlier, Billy Holly and Richie Valens. Do you know the tour name?
1: So the tour name, called the Winter Dance Party Tour, was all in the Midwest.
0: So that tour was actually dubbed the Tour from Hell. Right because they didn't make it to where it made sense. They were just bouncing all over the place. And unfortunately they had some bus issues. They did not have brand new tour buses. They actually had old school buses that they had to fix up right? and fit the entire crew on it. I believe they said they had about, I wanna say it was either 11 or 15 different buses.
1: Yeah, it was somewhere around that, yeah.
0: And that was for all their equipment. All the people that were, you know, in the bands on top of, you know, the managers and stuff like that. Pe- people that were needed. The bus broke down several times. And, in fact, one the last ones, they were, like, going up a hill. The bus would just go slower and slower and slower and then just, like, stopped. And it right. ended up that the bus froze over. So they had to huddle together. They were burning, you know, newspapers that they could to keep warm during that time. Like, it was literally the tour from hell.
1: Yeah, you think about it, it gets really cold, especially in the Midwest. It's freezing up there. Oh, yeah. And so they're riding on this bus for long periods of time and they're just, it's just cold. I could see where they just wanted to get out of there and wanted to get out of there quick.
0: Right. And this tour started in January 23rd. So that is still wintertime. Yeah. Especially up there. Like we know down here in the South, January, it's still pretty cold. Yeah. Think about up there. Like that is like practically dead winter still. Right. So on the eleventh night of the tour they played at the surf ballroom in Clear Lake, Iowa, which wasn't even on the actual tour. Right. It was originally not. They decided to go ahead and fit it in because I mean, if you're not playing, you're not making money. On the second night, they decided, you know what? We're tired of the buses. Yeah. We're we can't do another night with the buses. So Buddy Holly chartered an airplane from Dwyer Flying Services and mason city iowa intending to fly himself and his bandmates waylon jennings and tommy Alsup to their next tour venue in moorhead minnesota and one of the main reasons for that other than they're just tired of the buses mm-hmm. clean clothes right they just want to clean clothes yeah so they actually All the dirty clothes on that plane with them, so they can wash them.
1: Right, and I want to go back to that, and I want to repeat that real quick because there's one of those two names that everybody should hear.
0: So the original ones that were supposed to be on this plane were Buddy Holly, Mm -hmm. Waylon Jennings, and Tommy Alsip.
1: There you go. So if you've ever heard that name, he went on to become one of the most famous country singers of all time. And had he, and and we'll explain why he did in a minute, but had he been on that flight he probably would have never been that way
0: so what happened to those two that
1: so the story goes that obviously it was a single charter plane so there weren't a bunch of seats available Mm -hmm. and so what they did is they all did a coin flip
0: nope you're wrong so richie valens was battling a cold for most of the tour and that's why tommy also gave up his seat for richie right because he was sick right no coin toss the big bopper was also starting to get sick as well, and he said, "Hey, are you going to give up your seat for me too?" And Waylon Jennings said, "We'll flip for it." He still, to this day, does not know why he decided that he was going to flip for it. Right. But he did decide we'll flip for it. Pulled out a half dollar, flipped it. Say, "Hey, heads or tails?" Ended up being heads.
1: So it's half right. There was a. Oh coin wait, wait, wait! Fight.
0: I got that backwards. Actually, the big bopper was suffering the cold the entire tour. Richie Valens was starting to get sick. Right. That's what it was. I'm See, I'm trying to, trying to remember everything. Yeah. So, yeah, Richie was the one that called it. Heads, he went on.
1: So, there was a coin flip that took place, and at the end of the day, Richie and Buddy and the Big Bopper were the ones on the plane. hmm And, unfortunately, that plane did not make it.
0: Well, before we get into that, I actually learned something. What's that? Waylon Jennings' last words to Buddy Holly literally haunted him almost the rest of his life. So... They, obviously, they were on tour together. They're joking around and stuff. Buddy Holly was actually, he was excited. He was like, I'm done with these buses. Right. I don't have to deal with that anymore. So he later jokingly remarked to Jennings, well, I hope your old bus freezes up. So Jennings, being quick-witted and, you know, trying to fire back at Holly, said, well, I hope your old plane crashes. Mm. And that has haunted him. I Literally. Bet his almost entire life that he was just like, I caused this to happen. Yeah. Now we can get into what actually happened.
1: So there are, there are actually several stories out there, but the actual, what I have learned is that, all right. So the plane took off from the landing strip, right? There was a young man by the name of Roger Peterson. He was a local pilot. He was 21 years old. Okay. So he was a young pilot. The plane took off and Shortly after midnight, they believe that Peterson had some visual problems, like he couldn't see what was going on. And so it it ended up taking a nosedive at full throttle and crashing into an open farm field. And that's, I mean, that's how the plane crashed.
0: To get into that further, okay, he was a relatively new pilot. Mm-hmm. He actually learned and got his certifications and, you know, ability to fly off of older equipment and not on the right. exact same plane that happened
1: oh and i know that the plane was a Beechcraft bonanza
0: so the full story behind this is peterson had not been flying for very long he only had his uh pilot's license for a year but right. he did fly a total of 711 hours of in flight so he was he was you know experienced yeah. but Not with this kind of equipment. And you said the plane name a little bit earlier. What was it?
1: It was a Beechcraft Bonanza.
0: Okay. And what is so special about that is because Peterson actually learned and got his pilot's uh, certification and everything and knew how to fly. But he learned on the old conventional type artificial horizon. So basically what that means is the planes he learned on had that like horizon line to where like he could He understood where he was. Right. The difference in the beach bonanza was that it did not have that. It actually had the Sperry altitude gyro, which was installed in. So those two instruments differ greatly in the pictorial display. And basically what it does, it almost flips what he sees. So what he thinks he's seeing is actually different on that one. So what happened was, is he had been checking the weather the entire time. But no one actually told him that there was a significant weather advisory. Um, they were just telling him the basics like, hey, the visibility is 10 miles plus, And, you know, the weather over there is great or like it's OK. Like they were giving him updates, but they weren't really giving him the full story. Right. So it was really a judgment call on him. And he said, you know, with what the information that he was getting, he felt like he could handle it. Right. It was around, I want to say it was around 1255 when they actually took off. It was. Okay, so 1255, they took off and now he started to ascend, Mm -hmm. took a left turn, I believe. Right. Right. He took a left turn.
1: Sorry. Correct. Yeah.
0: And then about five miles past the airport is actually where they started to start, like the witnesses and the fans that were there that were watching the plane go off started to see the taillights go down. So what happened was is he lost all visibility at that point. He could not see anything. So he had to, Peterson that is, he had to rely solely on the instruments. Unfortunately, he did not know these instruments like he did the other ones because, again, they were different instruments on this plane than what he was used to. Right. So when he thought he was ascending what they believe he thought he he was ascending he was actually going down correct because when they did the investigation the landing gear was up the plane like all the gauges and everything were completely normal as if he was trying to ascend and go higher and basically get away from this blanket because there's a blanket of weather that he was trying to get away from
1: right it was about five miles out of outside of a, a city called mason city iowa Right. Where they crashed into an open field. It was farm country. So, yeah, I mean.
0: But, like, all of the switches and the fuel pressure, oil pressure, everything was completely fine on this plane.
1: And in his normal plane, like, where the gear shift is, the way he had it, that would have made reference to him ascending. Right. But in this plane, it was actually switched, correct? Is that what you're. Okay.
0: So, like, instead of him actually going up. Right. Like, he assumed. He was going down because of the way, the difference in the equipment.
1: Okay. Okay. Yeah, I got you.
0: So they believe (sighs) what happened was the right wing hit first. And then shortly after the whole plane crashed, all three of the musicians were ejected from the plane. Mm -hmm. And then the plane later went to rest and stopped on that barbed wire fence.
1: And it's showing that uh, the plane, when it reached the ground, it was going 170 miles per hour yes that is
0: so that leads you to believe by all means he thought he was going up correct because there was no trying to slow down there was no landing gear that was deployed nothing had happened right so it was simply he could not read the equipment that he was on Mm. and then without any visibility because it's 12:55 at night you can't see anything on top of a blizzard that's right on top of you right I mean, he just did not know where he was. So There were some rumors that actually the Big Bopper survived. And there was also some rumors that there was a gunfight for some reason on the plane. Yeah. Well, all of that actually got squashed in 2007. Do you want to know why?
1: I did not know. Why is that?
0: Because the Big Bopper got zoomed. Oh, did he? He did. I did not know that. So he has a son. Okay. And he is the Big Bopper Jr., Or the Little Bopper.
1: Little Bopper?
0: He was born almost three months after his father passed away. He got to meet his dad in 2007. Not three months Hmm. later, but in 2007, he got to meet his dad. The Big Bopper was buried at Forest Lawn Cemetery. Wow. There were a couple of reasons Again, because of this supposed gunfight and that he might have actually survived the crash. So they were kind of crawl. They figured he was like kind of crawling away and then yeah. just later froze. And then also they were wanting to give him a better memorial at right. Forest Lawn Cemetery. If you ever seen The Blind Side, the babysitter, Miss Sue, kind of jokes about the human farm like the body farm that's underneath the the field because the University of Tennessee actually has a forensic. It's a beautiful, amazing forensics program that, you know, they have bodies that are donated to them and then they get to see, you know, what happens in nature and what happens in this scenario, that scenario. Well, the big bopper's body was actually exhumed and then taken to the University of Tennessee to be looked at. And, They showed that, yes, with all the injuries that he had, that he did die on impact. Right. So, like, he did not crawl away. There was no kind of gunfight or anything like that. And, actually, his body was actually really pretty pretty good preserved.
1: Yeah. It says right here, um, it says, so this Bass guy who is over the forensics department at Tennessee says, uh, Bass findings indicated no signs of foul play. These are his words. Yes. There are fractures from head to toe, massive fractures. Richardson died immediately. He didn't crawl away. He didn't walk away from the plane. Right. So there was no gunfight. No. Yeah. He died on impact.
0: Which I don't know why there would be. They all liked each no, other. Yeah, Richie and,
1: Richie and the big, they were all friends. Yeah. Like, like they all went on tour together. Yeah. They,
0: they were all miserable together on the buses. Yes. But I mean, two of them were sick to begin with. Yeah. They were just trying to get where they were going. Right. And, you know, get some rest and stuff like that. There was no arguments. And that's not all. That's not all. The casket later went on. So he got the makers of the original casket, remade the casket to put Big Bopper back in, buried him with his wife. You know, it was beautiful. You know, his son got to meet him. And then the casket actually went on to a museum. And it was actually featured there. And it was featured with one of the wreaths that he received on his death by a private Elvis Presley.
1: All these guys, you know, and that's something that people don't realize is that back in the day, it wasn't like it was here where you have one one person at a concert and that goes hours. These guys would come out, they would play for an hour, hour and a half, and then the next person would go on. So you would have five or six huge stars in the same room playing at the same time. And so these guys knew each other. They got to meet each other and interact with each other. In the movies, you sometimes see it to where like, especially I know in La Bamba, you know, he's waiting in the wing and, you know, Buddy Holly or the big bopper, they'll, you know, they'll come out on stage and they'll do their thing. And he's just mesmerized by watching these guys play, you know, Uh, and then they'll come back and they'll talk to him and stuff. And it's, that's something that people don't really realize is that, like you said, these guys weren't just strangers. They knew each other very personally, and they were all fellow musicians. So it, it's really it's really sad that this had to happen to three of what I believe are some of the greatest musicians of all time.
0: Yeah, and we'll never know what yeah. truly they would have been. Like, they were the first rock and rollers. Right. I know that sounds crazy because we think of the rock nowadays, but right. they were huge names.
1: So I was curious, so I looked up some of the songs that just the Big Bopper had. So, obviously, we know about Chantilly Lace. Mm -hmm. Uh, White Lightning was a number one hit for George Jones. Mm -hmm. Treasure of Love was a number six country hit for George Jones. Running Bear, uh, number one hit for Johnny Preston and Sonny James. The Purple People Eater meets The Witch Doctor, which is a hilarious song. Obviously, we have Little Red Riding Hood, and the list goes on and on and on, like, this guy not only was a musician, he was a very talented songwriter. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, it's sad. It was It's sad that, you know, who knows what hits he could have made.
0: Or how they could have changed yeah. music or history or anything. Right. And this was one of the very first major tragedies mm-hmm. in the music industry.
1: Right. That's why it's called The Day the Music Died.
0: Right, because this is like the absolute... Everybody was affected by this. Nothing like this had ever really happened before, and especially three all at one time.
1: Right. And the reason that, you know, I think Don McLean mentions that in his song is because they they were a different style of music. After them, you got more into people like the Beatles and the Rolling Stones and and you know, people of that who played the 60s 70s era type rock. Well, you this was legit real rock and roll. Mm-hmm. Like this is where it originated from. And so that's why he says, "Hey, this is the, I, I, I think it's kind of a classification of the day that music died, because without those guys, and of course there were others, Elvis and you know uh, like you said, some of the other guys that were there, but but
0: this was the first right, yeah, like this was the first major one to happen, and again, right. three all together, yeah, like it wasn't just one star, which is already bad enough, but yeah. you literally had three very talented men." Just gone
1: right absolutely
0: and to get a little bit into the american pie so if you everybody knows that very first hook line but a little backstory behind that was he was a paperboy, boy right don mclean was a paper boy during that time the day that the music died which is february 3rd 1959 he was a paper boy he so that literally that whole thing makes sense you know that mm-hmm. he was just throwing the papers he's singing about the widowed wife buddy holly's wife ended up Dying shortly after. Right. And then the Big Boppers, uh, roughly three months after, had her son. Yeah. Who the son actually did do the tour. Yeah. He uh, toured and was a tribute for his father for a while. So he did
1: the whole tour like they were supposed to do?
0: I don't know if they did the whole exact tour but him along with other musicians did the winter dance party so the big baba jr performed it actually actually around the world yeah but he toured with a buddy holly impersonator john Mueller. huh that's kind of cool so you know that's just kind of an interesting thing he got to do that on top of you know meeting his father which was crazy
1: i bet that i bet that was really you know
0: he said that his dad still amazes him 48 years after his death and he is in remarkable shape yeah and he actually told the associated press that he surprised himself he handled it better than he thought he was
1: Mm, man that's
0: i mean i don't know how i would have handled that and then like i said the casket then was later displayed at the texas musicians museum and then it was later auctioned on ebay donating a share of the proceeds to the museum
1: that's really cool have you ever seen a picture of his son i'm telling you right now yeah If you that is that is the big bopper made over like he looks just like him. That's crazy.
0: And I will post pictures of him. I'll post pictures of the casket because it's actually really interesting. Um, I'll post any articles I have on it. There are so many because of Richie Valens and Buddy Holly. There are so many movies and documentaries and everything on this. The big bopper is as well mentioned in all of these. So that is the story. Of the day the music died yeah it was a horrible time in our history we lost three great musicians that we honestly don't know what could have happened if they had continued and had been able to make their music they were just budding in my opinion right i would definitely go look up these three lives go research this look at all the crash report look at the documentaries it is super interesting listen to their music and, you know, the documentaries on how they changed the music world. And, you know, they, they had a big influence for the short time that they were here. They had a big influence. Do one thing for me, and that's listen closely.